trending insurrection. I don't I don't beatbox in case it wasn't clear. Oh, it's clear. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, uh, you know, I, I know you don't beatbox, but you like the beat though. I think the beat's pretty cool. I do like the beat. Hey, this is Lou. And this is Dave. And we are trending insurrection. We are presenting the trending insurrection. That's true. We are presenting. We aren't trending. You know, we aren't trending insurrection. Not yet, that but we're trying difficult. to. <laughs> How do you trend insurrection? We are trending insurrection. Really? Are we? I don't know. I don't know. I don't I think that uh, I think there are other insurrections going on. Like, for instance, uh, Mr. Kevin Hart and uh, his uh, announcement that he will not do the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was sad too, because I mean, he was—he's great. So I think he would have done done very well for the Oscars, and the Oscars need a little bit more of a down-to-earth kind of host. They've had, um, at least, is my impression that they've had all these like really left-wing, left-leaning, liberal types hosting the Oscars for the last uh, 20, 30 years. It would have been really nice to have somebody more a little a little more grounded um, in reality. And somebody a little bit more uh, connected to what matters in everyday life. Well, I mean, he had some problems. He, in his past, had made what were considered anti-gay jokes. They were anti-gay jokes. Like 10 years ago. 10 years ago. And it doesn't even matter. But but let me ask you this. This is the first question I'm going to ask about this. 10 years ago, are we we now applying the, the moving goalpost standard that we have today to what he said 10 years ago now oh exactly yeah even after he apologized he apologized for he apologized for that already in fact in 209 he called someone a fat faced fag the following year he wrote that someone's profile looked like a gay billboard for AIDS and then in his one of his shows he said yo if my son comes home and tries to play with my daughter's dollhouse i'm gonna break it over his head and say in my voice hey stop that's gay in 2011 standard routine he said that he caught his three-year-old son having a gay moment that he was not proud of he said you you've got to nip that in the bud he says yeah, yeah so you do. so now so so of course the idea of him breaking anything over his son's head for his sexual preference in context out of context is child abuse in context is funny he was doing this as an, in a comedian comedic routine mm-hmm. comedians say all sorts of stuff that they don't mean I was listening to John, I think his name is Poignetta, and he said that when he sees a woman in the grocery store taking arugula mm. up, he's going to slap her hand and say, put it down, put it down, you don't know what to do with it, put it down. <laughs> and that's, a, so clearly. I don't know what to do with it. What do you do with arugula? <laughs> and, uh, actually, no, I think it was eggplant. He said, he said, he'd say, he'd say, he said, uh, do you have, uh, do you know somebody from the old country? Do you have a mom who's from the old country who can help you make that? Do you do you have any good recipes? And he said he he he'd slap her hand down. Well, you know the only thing that this generation knows how to do with eggplant is text it in an emoji. Wow, which means sex. <laughs> I didn't know that. I learned that today that eggplant and emoji means sex. Well, so I mean, think about that though. So other comedians say they'd hit people mm-hmm. for not doing something. Sure, and it's it's and so all of a sudden now that's going to be abuse. He's now against women because he now said he'd hit a woman for picking the wrong vegetable. Well, I, I think so I guess he now believes in I guess he now believes in abuse. Um, yeah, we know that's not true. We know that the comedians talk about things and they they take it too far. I mean, one of the things that you actually it's almost um, especially New York style comedy is you take it too far. You take it to the extreme. You take it to where it's it's almost just mean, but you know you don't actually mean it. So it's it's funny comedy. That way. It's yeah. just jokes, and many comedians say this. Man, don't don't get mad at me. It's just jokes. So so he, this is what he said. 
He said 26 of, He said that his son, now, it's very interesting. He talked about this. Uh, I'm going to kind of share his, some of his comments with you. He said, uh, talked about having a gay moment. And then I was listening to NPR where she was, um, she was talking with him. And I thought it was very telling, some of his comments. His comments were, were, um, he says, well, I think that's taking a joke. This is a transcript. Well, yeah. I think that's, that's taking a joke and putting in context where you're determining it should be on. You know, the joke was made with light intentions. It's not that deep-rooted, but because of the time of today, people look at it and they dissect it and they want it to be. The part that's always left out of the joke, which I think is so convenient for those who dig it up, is the joke starts off by saying, I don't have a homophobic bone in my body. I love gay people. If you want to be gay, be gay. I have no problem with gay people at all. And that's how the joke starts off. Yeah, but you know, I think that what is happening, I'll give him a little bit with this. Because what's happening with the gay community is they're realizing that, um, quite frankly, people who don't agree with homosexuality, right now a lot of the times they'll start off with that and then they'll say what they really think anyway. So in, a, in other words, that's what they're that's what they're seeing. And just because you say, like, I don't have a homophobic bone in my body and I don't have a problem with gay people, and then you go on and say, I don't want my son to be gay in any way, shape, or form, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make sure that doesn't happen, what you're saying at that point is, yeah, actually, being gay is not good, so I don't want it for my son. Well, and I, I want to think, it's no different than Seinfeld. When Seinfeld said in the show, he said, we're not gay. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> no, Seinfeld was the the groundbreaker on that. So he was actually helping the homosexual community. He was apologizing for them. It was he was the one introducing the concept. So he was helping to make it more more tolerant for them. Whereas Kevin Hart's just using that as a cover to make his joke. Does that make sense? Well, I don't know if he's using it as a cover. What I would say is that it's it's he's taking it in context i don't see it as using it as a cover as much as i as much as as much as i say he's using it to give context to his humor in other words i can say i don't have anything against mothers and i love my mom very much and then i go talk about some of the stuff stuff that my mom did <laughs> that gets on my nerves and there's nothing so what i'm saying is that we're just talking about it bernie mac has a lot of his comedy does a lot of his comedy about his own his own family members and in his show um he says he talks as one of his uh, he has a show where he's always making fun of his sister and one of his nieces and nephew who he's taking care of is angry with him for doing so he says, you don't respect my mom. He says, no, I love my sister. But comedy comes out of a place of pain. And we laugh about the things that hurt us. We laugh <laughs> about the things that are around us. And so he talks about that. And so I don't believe that I can take a comedian seriously when they're talking about whether they don't like gays or something. In fact, I'm one comedian said was said he doesn't appreciate Asian people and he said what are you talking about I'm married to an Asian <laughs> I mean it's just we can't you if you can't laugh at yourself well, now, no but if Kevin Hart was married to another man the gay community would give him a pass I on know every single joke <laughs> I get it but my point is you see my point though I, I get it but my point is it's just jokes lighten up yeah I can I can fall in line with it's just jokes. It's just jokes. Lighten up. And the very fact that now there are comedians who are unapologetically homophobic and they have no problem saying so. And dare you to take them up, take call them to task. Who? I don't know. But back in the days they were. You know. So I'm, I'm almost no one like that right now. Well, no one can afford to be because you can't what's nice is that suddenly homosexuality is now the gold standard <laughs> I, was just, I, I was listening to a, a comedian uh, listening to a a uh, show 
but, but with the kids and they were saying they were talking about the little brother saying do you think he's homosexual and the woman actually said no 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 he's not cool enough to be gay yeah so now homosexuality has become the gold standard of how we're supposed to be to the extent that you can't say that you don't like it or that you don't want your child to be gay quite frankly why would you want all the children in the world to be gay how do we have more children that's the stupidest thing i've ever heard to be angry that if all the children were gay in mm. 20 to in 50 years there'd be no more children you know one of the uh one of the better arguments that I've heard, um, and of course, I don't know that it's valid, but it's it's at least a pretty decent argument, right? Um, I heard a lesbian one time say, listen, being gay is not a choice. If it was a choice, I would have chosen to be straight because being gay is terrible. Like, who would ever want this? Like, there's you, you cut yourself off from the vast majority of the possible partners that you could have. Um, society looks down on you. All kinds of terrible things happen. And then you can't have kids. I mean, who on earth would ever choose to be gay? So she was actually pointing out that it's a terrible choice to make. And that if it was a choice, it would be the dumbest choice ever. Well, I know for a fact that a lot of men, when they find, get caught up in prison, turn, turn homosexual because those are their only choices. <clears throat> so it's a choice. And, well, when they, and when they come out of prison, I'll give you... Okay, so check this out. So I'm checking out... A, and so for me, it's if you want to be gay, be gay. If you want to be black, be black. If you want to be white, be white. If you want to be male, be male. Women, be male. You want to be president, be president. You want to be a CEO, be a CEO. Oh, I Whatever. think you need to get other people to agree with you to be president. Well, my point is that you, you can be these things, but you cannot have so thick a skin that people cannot make fun of you and say they don't like you or agree with you. And that, or so thin skin, forgive me, not thick skin, so thin skin that no one can argue. If we can talk about our president, we can talk about homosexual people and it not be hate speech. When I say I disagree with Donald Trump and I don't want my kids to be like Donald Trump, that's not hate speech. If I say I don't want my kids to be gay, that's not hate speech either. No different than if a, hom a, a homosexual person said, I don't want my kids to be straight. Is that hate speech? No, it's a choice. Well, so I guess that comes to, you know, um, you said, <clears throat> I, I think, I think your previous statement, where if you want to be white, be white. You want to be black, be black. You want to be gay, be gay. You want to be president, be president. The interesting thing about that is it puts them all in the same category of a choice. Well, isn't that what they do? They actually act as if homosexuals and uh, and all the, the and, and the movement of of bisexual. Uh, give me all the all the names. Oh, lesbian, uh, gay, bisexual, transgender, transgender, pan-gender—all the names. They, pansexual. They, pansexual. They say that it's all the same. It's no different than being black or white. We would be we would be remiss if we if we left out queer and two spirit. Exactly. <laughs> so, if that's the case, so I'm that's why I'm lumping it. I don't I believe it's the same thing, but I'm lumping it in that in that. And I'm saying, hey, wait a second. If you want to be all those things, if you want to be, if you want to be straight, whatever, whatever your sexual orientation is, people should be able to disagree with you, and it not be called hate speech. People should be able to say, I don't want my son to be that, or my daughter to be that, and it not be hate speech. It isn't hate speech. And that's the problem because now if I say I, if I say I don't want my son to be gay, it's hate speech. If I say I don't want my son to be president, is that hate speech against presidents? I mean, if it's wrong there, it has to be wrong someplace else. Well, wouldn't you want your son to be president? Well, if I say I don't want my son to be black, you don't is want that your son to be this president. Well, if I don't want <laughs> my son to be black, is that hate speech against black people? Uh, that's that's a really tough thing to say because. 
Um, it's it's going to happen either way. Not necessarily. I could adopt. If I say I don't want my... If, you, if, if I say I don't want to have a, a girl, I want to have all boys. Is that hate speech against girls? No, that's just a... That's a good solid plan right there. Uh, but see my point. If I say I want to have all girls, is well, that hate speech against boys? <laughs> now, I was about to say, I could totally see where you're coming from on that. Because if you have boys... You just have to worry about the one, you know, tallywhacker. If you have girls, you have to worry about all the tallywhackers. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, and I don't have kids personally, but uh, that's that's what I've heard that uh, that strikes a chord. But you, see, but you see, in my in, in my tongue-in-cheek way, that I'm saying if it's wrong for this, if I say I don't want my son to be an engineer, does that mean I hate all engineers? I mean, it's stupid. What how what makes you better than everyone else that no one can criticize you? I'll tell you what. I wouldn't want my son to be a comedian. And I don't hate comedians. I still like to go laugh at them. But, you know. I wouldn't want my son. So my question is. I wouldn't really want my son to showbiz. I mean, that's a hard business to handle, to to enter into. But that does that mean that you hate people in show business? I mean, no, that's, not at that, all. That's the stupidest thing. Mm-hmm. And yet, that's how we have, that's how we have framed the discussion. Well, I think I think it's important to see the reasons why somebody wouldn't want that for their own child, right? So, like, I'm I'm bringing up show business because it's a real thing. I really wouldn't want my kid to go into show business. Now, of course, there's a good chance or a, a reasonable chance that I might have a kid and they might decide to go into show business or become a comedian and I'll love him and I'll support him and I'll hope he has success. But I also recognize those are difficult endeavors. Those are difficult businesses to really break into and be successful in. So I wouldn't want him to go through those difficulties and I would much rather see him, I mean, my son is probably gonna have my mind. He'd be much better off as an engineer or a software engineer or all kinds of different things. There's a lot of opportunities that my son will have that are going to be probably intellectual versus um, kind of the showbiz kind of thing. Um, and I'm just, you know, that's that's what our family is, right? Like, I'm that way, my brother's that way, my dad's that way. So it seems likely that uh, I'll probably have kids who are more on the intellectual side, and I will probably steer them in that direction. Now, that's not to say that if they aren't, if they're if they really do have that you know comedy gene or whatever that is, um, I wouldn't push them towards that. But <clears throat> I don't I don't really think there is a gay gene, so I wouldn't I wouldn't ever push my son towards that. Well, even if there were a gay gene, I believe that there is a tendency um, that's passed on. That's that's passed on. So that's not. I don't. So the Bible. The Bible says that actually. The Bible says, "Oh, we are born in. We're born in and shaping in." And so it's a. So and uh, so j- certain things are passed down genetically. There's a. I have kind of have a predisposition to like sweets. A predisposition for alcohol. A predisposition to be healthy. A predis- so I can be predisposed for a great many things. It's not the point. The point is I still have a choice. Regardless of my predisposition, whether I partake in those things or not, the people who are predisposed to be psychotic. Well, I disagree actually, because there's there's two parts of the Bible that I would point to. One is in uh, Ecclesiastes, and God says, uh, "God makes men upright, and they seek for themselves vices." Not true. The Bible says we are also born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Uh, who who said that and where'd they say it? Oh, wow. You didn't tell me where yours is. I'm going to tell you where I mine is. I told mine's in Ecclesiastes. My, okay. Mine is 17.1. Mine Actually, it's is not it's, it's not 17.1 because it's the last verse in that chapter. Whatever the, the last verse is. Mine is... I'm making up references, by In Psalms 51, verse 5. Yeah, born in sin and shaped in iniquity. So, I mean, the point is, so there's so we're not born perfect. We're born with defects. And so what bothers me is when I believe that for instance, prime example. So, if in the end if you guys read the transcript, I invite you to read the NPR transcript or the interview. And Kevin Hart says this. She says, 
well, I mean, how could you stop your son from being gay? You can't do that. And one of my tongue-in-cheek arguments is, if you have a choice whether you are gay or homosexual or lesbian or not, or bisexual or not, if it's really a choice, why is it that I'm hearing so many accounts of, of gay women pursuing straight women? In fact, there's an article here on the gar- on the, in The Guardian in the, uh, where is this here? Well, then that, this is the, this is this, the, um, it underlying question it, of homosexuality and lesbianism. And, uh, and there's actually homosexuals that go both ways on this. Of course. Right. And now I'm not, <laughs> there's bisexuals that go both <laughs> ways on <laughs> There it you too. go. No pun intended. <laughs> but, um, there are some who believe that it is a predisposition or a, a, a physical reality that you end up acting out. And there are some people who believe that it's not. And they, you know, believe that whatever choice you make is okay. Now, I actually think that there's some interesting emerging research on this. We've talked about this a little bit. And the idea is that uh, the emerging research is actually showing that most choices are actually made subconsciously. Um, I believe we're starting to really see that our subconscious mind uses our values to make decisions for us. I agree. And uh, the emergency, the emerging research will eventually demonstrate that our minds are doing what we want it to. The subconscious mind works for us in much the same way that the computer's hardware works for the application. <clears throat> um, when we ask a calculator, for example, to do a... Uh, a calculation, let's say six times seven. We don't see it in the background. We don't see what's going on behind the scenes in the machine. All we see is the answer. And our subconscious works a lot, a lot like that for us. Um, we just see the answer. Our brains work uh, exactly like that. Um, we don't have to see the functions unless they are not working properly, right? So if we are trying to troubleshoot um, a computer, we might actually look into um, the processor a little bit. Um, well, you know, even even in troubleshooting, we don't look inside the processor. We just look at what the input is and what the output is. And then if we know that it's wrong, then we change it out. <clears throat> um, we aren't consciously aware of how we make decisions, but our subconscious uses our parameters. And these parameters come from our philosophy, right? So this is this is basically the theory that I'm, I'm developing, is that uh, if we believe that homosexuality is just another choice, then our subconscious will look at the options and say, hey, maybe I'll make that choice. But if we believe that it's not just another choice, like I personally believe that homosexuality is not something that I would want to do. And then my subconscious reacts to that. <clears throat> and basically this is all all tied into the mapping and targeting systems in our brains, right? So like if I'm targeting, like I'm looking for a mate, let's say, I'm not targeting just anybody i'm specifically targeting someone who can have children for me uh so that's a very important part of that subconscious process in addition to that i think that people are moral actors with agency and deciding who you are going to sleep with is a function of your agency therefore it's hard to see why this would be controversial unless you're trying to shirk your moral responsibility for an action that you know is morally indefensible. So a corollary to this is that your brain is, if your brain is diseased or damaged or malformed, you may not be morally responsible for your actions. And that can be very hard on the people around you. Um, and I think, uh, so I actually get this from another, another place in scripture that I hadn't mentioned yet. Uh, God actually is talking to some people, um, I believe, in Tyree, and uh, they are saying, "Hey, we were born this way." You know that that argument, oddly enough, is thousands of years old. And God answered them and said, "No, I know how you were formed, and had you been formed this way, it would not be sin for you to act this way, and therefore your sin remains." So I think that. Um, it's, it's kind of, it's very important to understand that the scripture 
takes the view that God formed you in a way that doesn't present itself to homosexuality. Well, it presents when God formed you. But I will say that, as I said earlier, you do have tendencies and dispositions, which is proven. And so, which are proven, and the Bible does say that when it says we're born in and shapen in. It's what it's saying is that you still have moral choice, but you have tendencies for these things. You don't have a te- you don't have a teach a teach a baby to be stubborn. You don't have a teach a, you don't have to teach a baby to be to be uh, to be to be selfish. They're born that way. They're born with me 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 me. And so the challenge is with homosexuality is I think I have an anecdotal uh, article written by uh, Stacy and Chin. And it says, why chasing straight women still thrills me. And then she, and basically she talks about, you know, the when she was in college in Jamaica, university in Jamaica, she had a lot of problems. Mm. You know, she had come out. It was before it, it, was, it was popular. She came out and shouted it in the middle. And, and then she found herself, she, once she said that she was open to women who were interested in experimentation, so she found herself spending many a night trying to turn, trying to uh, work with women who weren't sure what they wanted to do sexually. And she says it's a it's a one way street. It's a, it's a down trouble. A tr- a, 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 it's a path. <laughs> it's a troublesome path because well, you know they always end up going next they're going back to their husbands or back to their straight boyfriends and she tells us tale but she also says but i like what she says is that she also she talks she kind of teaches which i wish more men knew this she teaches how to how a how a homosexual woman can properly get involved with a straight woman to woo her into homosexuality so and this is what she says she says um um, she says, "Let me think." So she's she's picking um, the the moment of opportunity, right? She's well. Let me, let me I'm, okay. I'm reading this article. Yeah, here it goes. She says, 20 years later, I still flirt with straight but not so straight women. Only now <laughs> the limit. Only now I know the limitations of such insanities. Okay. So then she gives some advice. She she says, I always choose an opening line that borders on the absurd. I like the way you make that pink push-up bra look intellectual. And she is, and if she's kind of sexually ambiguous woman that likes that kind of attention, she will laugh. And if you listen well, you can tell if she's, she likes to play or nay. It's, it is not because she laughs that indicates her willingness but how she laughs. It has to be a sort of curious amusement that comes from her eyes and travels to her mouth. Never mention that her skin is beautiful or that her legs go on forever. Remember, she navigates that sort of cheese from straight men all day long. Never ever overtly refer to the electricity crackling between the two of you. Courting the bi-curious requires skill of the skill of restraint. This is a sort of informal manual for lesbian chasing not so straight. And the, the first rule is you have to be platonic first. Girls who are not so straight but identify as straight, even when they admit to being attracted to women, don't want that interest to seem conscious. It's always better if it seems like an impulse adventure, impulsive adventure, a thing that just happens, which means you always begin as nothing more than a friend. No compliments, no kissing, no holding hands, no longing looks, no I miss your phone calls, no yearning, just casual chit-chat, girly, girly conversations. You should laugh when she confides in having a crush on some boy. And, and, uh, let me think, yeah. Offer advice on what she should do and what she should wear when she goes out to see him. Be supportive of her relationship. Become her friend first. Work very hard at being her very best friend. Always remember, you're you're only her friend. You're not allowed to bend that rule for at least three months. Then she continues. 
if you really want a shot at getting close to this woman, you have to wait until there's a crack in the lack of respect her boyfriend has for her. Watch for when he is late or disrespectful or inconsiderate. Casually mention that you would never treat a woman like that. Reinforce how she deserves so much better. Store the details. Then wait for him to mess up big. Then you can tell that you would not have never put up with that from a man. Quickly apologize for saying that you think she shouldn't either. Resist the urge to stroke her, her brows as her doubts about him begin to fester. Even if she responds, avoid talk about sex. There will be time enough to expound on how lesbian sex has a way of being outrageous. What with the use of bedposts and cling film and handcuffs and fur in the middle, it's not to mention that, okay, there she goes on. And so my point is that she's kind of giving a guide on how, and the reason I'm bringing this up is that I've heard so many men are tricked into the menage trois um, with the idea that two women um, kissing is sexy when it's not. You know, necessarily, if you're a heterosexual person, it shouldn't be se <laughs> sexy to you if you do not believe that homosexuality is something that you believe in. Uh, so, so if you so if you believe that bisexual homosexuality is fine, then that's attractive. But a lot of men who claim to be straight make this mistake, and a lot of lesbian women use this technique. I I've heard anecdotal. I haven't done any research on it. So you're you're. Yeah, I'm not sure I like the way that you just worded that because you said men who claim to be straight still like to see two women kissing each other. I've I've been. I listen. I had a conversation with a church buddy. Uh -huh. and he said, and he said to me over lunch, "Hey man, yeah, you know, there's nothing more sexy than seeing two women kiss." I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like, "Look, I don't want any competition." It's hard enough, and but my point is that that's been that because of pornography, that that is what's the word that type of behavior. Well, I guess we're gonna have to ask the question: Does life imitate art? Or does art imitate life? Well, I think a little bit. Of, I is think the pornography in importing the desire into men, or is men's desire bleeding into the pornography? Because I think it's actually what men want. Pornography. Uh, caters to the desires of men directly and and blatantly without apology. Here we go. Okay, that's a different <laughs> show. Okay, so so okay, so I'll, I'll give you that. Okay, let's just say it's true. But my point is that the danger is when you allow your spouse, male or female, to flirt with another person in that way, you're opening up. Problems in your marriage or your dating situation because you're now giving them permission that's going to be very difficult to take back, especially if you partake in the decision in, in, in the situation itself. And I've heard of one story was a was a, a, a pastor, and um, he got caught up in that, and he made love to the both women, and then pretty soon he was out of the picture. <laughs> And so and that's anecdotal, of course. But my point is that if you read this treaty, this, this what she's saying here is that's the technique. First, you befriend, and don't mention sex, and then you become friends. So I would. I got a question for you. Are you telling me you don't think Solomon ever had a threesome? I am sure that he did because he says that he tried everything. <laughs> he does. He said I try. He said Solomon said that I tried all sorts of things and it was empty. He, so yes, I believe he did a bunch of different things because he said he did. He uh -huh. said he was so wise that he tried to find ways to enjoy life that seemed to, that, that, that worked for him. He said, I tried everything and it was outside of Jesus and God, it was all false. It was empty. I was always looking for something else. And so, yeah, I'm sure he tried everything, I'm sure. <laughs> I remember that verse, Solomon talking about Jesus Christ. He's a, you know, Jesus was one of his best friends, right? Okay, never mind. <laughs> so, I'm, so my point, my point is only this, is not to, not to gay bash or say gays are evil or anything like that, but what I am, what I am saying is that if it, if you're arguing, if no one can criticize you, then you have no truth. 
because truth always can deal with criticism. And if you, if you, whatever stance is, if no one can talk about you, if no one can disagree with you, if no one can make fun of you, even to say things like, if my son were a comedian, I'd push him down the stairs. That doesn't mean I hate comedians. <laughs> I mean, if I can't say that about comedians, and now all the comedians won't, 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 uh, 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 block me from uh, all of a sudden I'm banned from watching Netflix because I said I, if my son were a comedian I'd throw him down the stairs now all of a sudden all comedians hate me and I can't watch Netflix anymore and now I cannot work because my boss disagrees with me you would say that's pretty preposterous mm-hmm. but why is it for the homosexual thing the lesbian thing the bisexual thing and there's so many of them now so many different labels now pan and straight you know why is it alphabet soup uh, alphabet the alphabet soup of sexuality why is it if i talk about any of them it's evil you can't forget the p now yeah well there's oh geez there's so many now (laughs) okay so and that so that's that's the argument here and 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 i would say how dare you why are you why is your why is your choice or your lifestyle beyond reproach and why cannot we talk if we can talk about the president or any other choice or better yet if 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 hispanics can make fun of black people if white people can make fun of black people if black people can make fun of white people why can't we make fun of being gay why can't we make fun of being straight more importantly why does somebody else's uh standard of offense why why when somebody else is offended do i lose out on good comedy right because i wanted to hear what kevin hart had to say well i think i want to say it's more importantly i would say yeah it's that was stupid in fact he said this is what he says this, this is what he says kevin hart says and i and i wanted to kind of get his responses he says um he says the reason that he stepped down was because when he he apologized, it he apologized years ago. It wasn't, ex- it, and then he apologized again. Then he apologized again, and it wasn't accepted. So he said, "I'm not gonna do it anymore. I'm not doing the Oscars because he said I've been apologizing for this." for something I did 10 years ago and no one will accept my apology. Well, you know, that's the problem. Next time, don't apologize. Say, hey, I said what I said. You got a problem with it? Tell me what your problem is. I think that I think the answer to the constant... Um, uh, it's almost an industry at this point of being offended at things is to say is to stand your ground. I mean, you said something because you believed in it. Don't shy away from it just because it made somebody mad. On the flip side of, hey, why are you so important that I can't uh, criticize this thing or that thing about you? On the flip side of that is, hey, why am I so cowardly? Or why are we so cowardly that we can't stand up for what we said and believe in and make it stick? We've said a couple of controversial things here, and if anybody has a problem with that, I'll say, hey, listen, I said that because I believe in it. If you want me to say something different, change my mind. Don't just be upset at me and think that that's going to make me shrink like a like a violet in the sun. I agree. And Kevin says, you know, here's what. Here's the, but, there's, but, but here's what's being done. You're talking about a moment that was done with the intense purpose of trying to be funny. The bad part about being a comedian is that sometimes you just aren't funny. The bad part about trying to make people laugh is that there are chances that sometimes people may not laugh. The tweet was done with the intense purpose to try to make someone laugh. Yeah, not everyone, not every joke is going to be a winner, right? So you got to, I mean, even, even like I consider myself to be a philosopher. Not every philosophical theory I come up with is a winner. Not every idea that I have is good. And you have to kind of voice them before you can figure out whether they're good or not. He, he continues. It's stupid. It's Twitter, man. Let, 
me try to put a tweet, this tweet out. Let me try to do a dumb tweet. I did a tweet years ago when I said, dark-skinned women got bad credit. Light-skinned women don't. Dark-skinned women went crazy. Black women went crazy. It was a stupid tweet where I tried to be funny. It doesn't mean that I hate dark-skinned women. My daughter is dark-skinned. My ex-wife was dark-skinned. It was about me trying to make a joke. But people take these jokes and they want them to be so much more. Jokes are jokes. And so what he's saying is that I'm a comedian here. I'm just trying to be edgy. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. But my point is that even though he apologized three times, Mm -hmm. the homosexual and the gay and bisexual and the were still up in arms. LGBT, XYZ, QQ. Yeah, to the point that he had to step down. And I say, hey, you know what? If If you believe you're right, then we should be able to laugh at you. Yeah, we should be able to laugh. If you're right, then we should be able to laugh and make fun of you. If have, have you heard about what's going on with Lucy K recently? Well, yeah, I. Uh... <laughs> Apparently, he's alt right now. That's that's the most recent way they're describing him. They're saying, uh, you know, he, it's the same comedy he's always been putting out, but now he's just basically said, "Hey, listen, I don't care about the Me Too movement anymore." Um, and he's just said, you know what? I'm going to do my comedy. I'm going to do my shows. And I'm going to go full on out and say what I've all been, always been saying. But I'm going to say it like in the most offensive way possible. And now, I mean, he used to be liberal, right? When they when he was kind of yeah. on their side. But now all of a sudden he's alt-right. He hasn't changed a bit. But this is just another, um, this is another ongoing uh, episode in the continuing saga well, of... He's had some problems, though. Yeah, he's had some problems. Well, I mean, I was, <laughs> I was listening to... He's a guy. He I likes was, sex. He's what, had what, some what, problems. No, there's more. Listen, this is, this is what one comedian said. This one... This, he, this comedian... He, he was a... Uh, oh, you're talking about Dave Chappelle. D- Dave, yeah, Dave Chappelle was talking about... When, when talking about this... Uh-huh. He said... And I'm going to talk really about this. Cause, uh, something else. I want to talk about the... This meat. is a good This is a good story. I know yeah. you Okay. He, he says that... That Lucy K and, and you know he said it's hard on Lucy K because we all know Lucy K and we're all you know comedy is is a close knit group from right. when you're when you're famous and he says man he's talking about masturbating he was masturbating with this woman on the phone and there's some I forgot what the scandal is and he says look he says this woman said that kept that that Lucy K was masturbating on the phone while he was talking with her and because of this she can no longer be a comedian and Chappelle says well your dreams are broken by that you must not have much of a dream those are fragile dreams you right said they're real freezies. those are brittle dreams brittle if, dreams brittle dreams if, if your dreams are shaken by that and then he talked about and then he said, and then something that he said, which I want to use this as a segue. He said that if you really, if, if you, your dream, your ability to dream has to be, has to be, it should be strong enough to deal with all sorts of things. And he says, and, and this, this is just an encapsulate what he says. And he says, if you really have a dream, it can't be broken so easily. Right. He also says that when it's to- when he talked about the Me Too movement, I come on a segue to this, the Me Too movement. He says that you're making. He and he used uh, he used he used uh, apartheid in South Africa. As his as as his template for his philosophy, he says, if 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 by rights or by all rights, apartheid should have been abolished in South Africa with with waves of bloodshed, mm-hmm. but it wasn't because Desmond Tutu and and Mandela realized that. If you even if you're benefiting from a negative system, you are still a victim of the system. And so he said the reason that apartheid was able to be abolished was because was because everybody was a victim because it's a bad system. 
And so you just get rid of the system, making everybody a victim, and you and you help and you help heal everybody from the negative negative throws of the system. So he said, as far as the Me Too movement, women who are making men enemies. He said, I agree with you ideologically because my daughters, if you win, my daughter wins. But he said that if you're making men in power your enemies and the scared men mm-hmm. won't be scared forever. And he said, if you can find a way not to demonize anyone who's offended you in this way and make them friends, he said, you'll create solidarity and you'll create real change. He said, because when this blows over, it's going to be worse than it ever was because people are going to eventually be tired of me too. It's going to die out. And when it does, when it's no longer popular, it's going to be worse than it was before because all you did was what was caused those who have problems to go into hiding. But you really haven't made solidarity with anyone. So you haven't changed any minds or hearts. You've just made them scared. And I think that's, and then I also bring up, you know, that's that's why Dr. Martin Luther King was such a great politician. He did just as much for white workers as he did for, and white women, as he did for black women and black men. For, for sanitation workers, he did just as much to fight for their, for their rights. And so because he played, because he didn't make people enemies, so to speak, he believed that we could all uh, work together, we could all be together, he was able to facilitate change because he didn't make he didn't he didn't he didn't make all white people the enemy. In other words, in all their, I, I have a problem where in when when I see someone trying to get ahead by tearing someone else down. Yeah. And that's what I see a lot of the women doing. A lot of the movies that are coming out, the men are less than so that the women can be greater. Right. Yeah, and it, it, they're, the women aren't necessarily greater. They're just greater in comparison. And uh, so they're really, they're not, they're, they're actually terrible characters. And all they do to make the women look good is make the men even worse. So it's it's a, a complete uh, race towards the bottom. Yeah, and, and, and that's, so in other words, the same thing with the Me Too movement. I would say I agree with you the same thing. As he said, I agree with you ideologically, but you have to find a way to build consensus. You have to find a way to not make everyone who has crossed the line negatively into an enemy. And this is really, I think, the natural extension of third wave feminism, where really men are the enemy. I don't, I don't know if it's third wave or fourth wave, but I mean, it's one of the waves of feminism and men have become the enemy and basically they're all evil and, and women are good and men are evil. And that's kind of what we get from feminism. And now this is playing itself out in a political movement. Now, even if, and I think this is the case, they've, they've specifically gone after men who are bad actors. But it seems like the feeling I get from the well we know, we know for a fact they've gone after some men who are bad actors and they've gone after other men who aren't that's right and they attack them all with the same fervor so it is it is a bit of an inquisition it is a bit of a witch hunt at this point the new mccarthyism and i think that that's something that we my millennial brothers and sisters you need to recognize the, or I recommend that you recognize that you must build solidarity for lasting change. And that's the most eloquent, that, that's a, I can, can't say that any better. You know, I, I, um, you know I, I think the world of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., his philosophy was sound and on point. And I like, uh, one of my favorite memes is, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, a picture of him and saying, I had a dream and y'all are messing it up. It doesn't say messing it up, but anyway, (laughs) 
<laughs> so, <laughs> that's that's one of my favorite memes to, to post on uh, Twitter when people are, you know, trying to do their reverse racism. Um, and it, it's uh, it's really great. If I was if I was a black man during the time of Martin Luther King, I would have been extremely tempted to join the Malcolm X movement. I would have been extremely tempted to commit violence and say, hey, listen, you're sticking dogs on us. I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure those dogs never bite anyone again. You know that's the kind of that's the kind of temptation I would have felt, it, which actually increases the amount of respect I have for Dr. Martin Luther King and the people who were a part of his movement, because they chose the nonviolent path. And while that's not necessarily well, they had a right to resist. They had a right to defend themselves, but they chose a path that was. Um, that would work that would they would have a better outcome and i think that's what we need we need to use gandhi martin luther apart nelson and desmond tutu in south africa as our templates to create change in every situation listen i believe i believe it's the japanese culture that talks about saving face when you allow your enemy to save face, you may create a friend. Mm. And I think that that's something that we have forgotten. You know, the, 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 the Bible says that, that the Lord will make your enemies to even be at peace with you. When you can make your enemies, when you can allow your enemies to have face, to, to maintain their dignity and self-respect, you create a friend, and it might you may even create a convert, and that's one of the things that that the Me Too movement and any other movement that is starting needs to recognize. Men are not the enemies. <coughs> People who say that they disagree with you because you are a homosexual are not the enemies. Republicans who believe in a conservative world. Uh, are not the enemies to liberals, and liberals who believe in a in a in a in a, a liberal world are not the enemies to Republicans. They're just different ideologies. And, and as we talk about, please, I was going to say, um, the the liberal co uh, conservative symbiosis is actually definitely something that people have talked about recently. The idea that uh, people who are maybe conservative are better at management and business and things like that, and people who are liberal are better at creativity and, and those kind of things. Um, and people fall on all different uh, kinds of that particular spectrum, right? That makes sense. We need all those people. Um, one of the things that we do have a problem with is not necessarily even liberals at this point. I think it's the left, the far left, the radical left. And what they're doing is they're trying to define where the center is, and they're basically defining the center way left of where everyone else is, and so they look like they're center left. I mean, that's what they're trying to do, right? But what they're really doing is they're putting a lot of liberals on the right just by definition, right? I mean, they're not, they, these are people who don't, identify as right wing but because they're basically being uh, ostracized by the extreme end of the left they end up looking like they're in the right or on the right but they still identify as liberals there are many people um, who identify as classical liberals and uh, and in left leaning uh, who now are being called uh, right leaning and alt right and whatever else so um, but I think you're right. We do need all these different personality types. What we can't have is the tyrannical uh, demand that you only say what I believe. The, the, like, I won't let you say anything that I disagree with. That kind of demand is tyrannical and childish. It's unwarranted. It really tells me that you do not believe in your truth. Yeah, because truth has no problem with light. That is, that is a great way of putting it. If you really believe in what you believe, you can accept a challenge. You can have a challenge. Um, you know, the people that I respect are people who have been challenged and who have, you know, been, actually not even just 
they've had challenges, but they've sought them out. They've, um, you know, asked people to come and debate them publicly, things like that. Uh, those are the kinds of people that I respect. I'll point out, it is well known that um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite politicians to pick on right now, Alexandria Casio Cortez, she has been invited to more debates publicly than I think anyone else in recent history has. And she's turned every single one of them down. She wouldn't even debate her opponent in the race because it's clear. And I think you've hit the nail on the head. She can't withstand that kind of light. That light would be detrimental to her political (laughs) career. Uh, She would expose her complete ignorance and people would, would come out of that and say, you know, and, and even the, I mean, she's had softball interviews that end up, um, you know, being embarrassing to her. <laughs> but she won't, she, and, and that's one of the things I think that is driving the right crazy. Like, they can't figure out how to get her to come to a situation where they can just have a regular old conversation with her and expose how, um, terrible the ideas are and how ignorant of the real plan that she is because obviously she's being she is the face of this movement there's an entire movement behind her there are people like uh, van jones people who are actually pretty intelligent working behind the scenes to try and prop her up so she's not just you know just this phenomenal individual politician she's being supported by a movement yes and once you recognize that most people have handlers. If you're in the public eye, you have handlers. I don't know. On a certain level. <laughs> you, you have handlers. Most yeah. people, right now, Lou is my handler, and Anna is his handler. And right now... <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. You know, I can't even disagree... <laughs> What I can say is that I am no one's handler. I can barely handle myself. But I have been handled, manhandled on many occasions by many people. Nonetheless, um, a segue, because I want to talk about a little bit about something else that we were talking about. Um, I want to talk about the, the, you mentioned something earlier about bravery. Yeah. I want to hit that a little bit. Um, we were talking, I think, about police, really. And uh, is that is that the context in which we... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brittle faith, brittle belief system, brittle dreams. And then we said bravery. Now, now I want to say we sing all the land of the free and the home of the brave. So if we are the land of the free, and you really think about those words, it'll give you shivers. We are the land of the free. Well, as long as you don't say something that I, 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 don't, I disagree with, so we've changed that. <laughs> and the home of the brave, but not brave enough to take criticism. You know, freedom, freedom of speech, here's, it is an absolute necessity. And, and my absolute rule is as long as you're not actually advocating violence against me, you can say anything. Like, you can you can hold any position, no matter how ridiculous it is, no matter how much I disagree with it, no matter how bad it is, you're allowed to hold that position. Now, I'm allowed to tell you how bad it is, but that's, that's where you get dialogue. Well, what about the sheriff here in Florida, ex-sheriff, who said that his deputies didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, yeah, he said there was no wrongdoing. And I think that the problem is he was defending himself to a different standard than the rest of the country is going to hold him to. Because our standard for this sheriff is not whether or not he took a bribe to let terrorists come and shoot children. We don't think that we don't think that's what happened. We just think he was incompetence. We think he failed the mission. And the, here's the thing. He was saying um, at the press conference when he uh, acknowledged that the governor was temporarily, was um, suspending him from the position. He was being removed from the position. 
that he did no wrongdoing and that he said he was going to go to fight it in the legislature. Okay, so let's give us some backstory. Let's give some backstory. Let's talk about what happened. Okay. So this was uh, the Parkland shooting, right? And what we found out in the Parkland shooting was there were actually multiple police outside armed, ready to go in while the shooting was still happening. Go on. While f- shots were still being fired inside the school and st- innocent children were being murdered inside of that school there were police officers hiding in relative safety with weapons and uh you know they had their guns they were out of the way they could hear the shots and they did not go in okay so i try my best not to check out the news because it'll make you into a callous and angry person Mm -hmm. that happens to me occasionally (laughs) and I have to pull back and you know meditate and pray and read my bible a little bit and then I get better and then I go read the news some more (laughs) you need to get angry again okay so it's like little doses of poison so unpacking this story a little bit uh huh you know and we this has happened before well this I don't know if this well, has happened before. Meaning gun violence has happened before. Sure. Or gun abuse has happened before. Yeah, but yeah. the the police having a chance to stop it and not doing no so. No one engaged. So, okay, so you got a bunch of kids in trouble. This is like a mm-hmm. movie scene. A bunch of kids in trouble and no one with the gun is going in to engage. Right. Now, here's my question. Okay. Do you believe that the sheriff should have been, at what point should he have been asked to step down? Was it, if he had said, this is deplorable and the deputies responsible will be, will be given training and they will be censured and they will be suspended. If he had said that, would he be still, would he still be sheriff today? Well, that's a good question. One of the deputies has actually been fired. Um, the one that was in the, the hallway. So, um, I, I think that it's more than just saying that the deputies, there was no wrongdoing. Because um, I think he, he was specifically saying there was no wrongdoing on his part. But he was the head of this organization, and he has not done things that are satisfactory I mean I don't I don't think he's in other words let's leave him as sheriff for two years and then somebody tries this again you know what's going to happen the same thing a lot of people are going to die so he's not looking to make changes that would effectively stop this in the future or at least saying it because I think there was a blue shield oh yeah there's a big blue shield where you know they protect themselves And let's face it, police officers have a hard job, so no one's saying they don't. But I think, I think, w- so what I hear you saying then. Well, now, and it's important to understand that uh, there's actually already been a lawsuit against those police officers. And they've, um, the, the families who lost children have sued because they did not um, fulfill their uh, duty to respond. Or what's the, what's the word we were uh, looking at in the law the other day? Now, the, in the, in the, um, in the Good Samaritan laws, there's two things. There's a, a duty to provide protection, protection for the person who. No, well, and then there's the duty. Oh, what was the name of that law? Yeah. So in the Good Samaritan law, there's there's two things, right? One part of the laws generally indemnifies someone who provides aid to somebody in an emergency situation. Like if you go and try to save somebody who's drowning. And let's say you grope them a little bit while you're pulling them out. Or as you're doing chest compressions, you happen to, uh, you are touching their breast. And they wake up and they happen to be me too. And they're like, oh, that was terrible. You are actually indemnified in those situations against um, their their claim for damages, right? The other part is that if you were in certain situations, that you have a duty to help somebody out. Like if you see somebody in distress, and there, we saw that there were 10 states that have those, and our state, Florida, is one of them. Like let's say you see somebody on the side of the road who is hurt and maybe unconscious or whatever, and 
you at that point have a responsibility to at least notify the authorities. You don't always have the responsibility to rush in, right? Because it could be a dangerous situation. Let's say you've got a power line down, right? You wouldn't necessarily want to rush in and try to pull that person out because you could end up being electrocuted the same way that they're being electrocuted. So you'd want to notify the authorities and then if possible, provide some kind of aid. But there's a legal term for that that we were looking up the other day. And uh, it was, <clears throat> we also found that spouses, for instance, have this duty to render it, aid. It's called a duty to rescue. Duty to, that's... Duty to rescue. Duty to rescue. Okay, so, now we have this concept of a duty to rescue. And here's the problem. The courts have continuously said that police don't have this particular duty in situations... They don't have any duty to protect us or, um, you know, like if... You, they take you into custody or, or anything. Now, this is actually in um, direct opposition to ancient precedents, right? So we know that there's stories of Roman soldiers falling on their swords. Well, one of the things for which a Roman soldier would fall on his sword is if someone in his custody were to die because he was unable to protect them, right? So this is one of the reasons you didn't mess with Roman soldiers when they had a, a charge because they would use uh, relatively severe levels of force to make sure that that charge was protected. Um, they were, were doing so in protection of their own lives. Well, our, our modern police didn't want that authority and have actively moved and lobbied for that not to be a responsibility that, that they have. Um, now, in this particular case, I think the ruling may have been incorrect because um, the, the judge kind of cursorily, cursorily determined that the police officer wouldn't have a duty to protect because police don't have a duty to protect. However, schools do have, um, what is it again? One more time. A duty to protect Duty or to rescue. Okay. So the schools do have that because they have the parentis in loco doctrine, which means that the school is taking care of children in place of the parents and the parents have a duty to protect so the school therefore has a duty to protect now as the sro of the school i believe that he did in fact have a duty to rescue and he abdicated or did not live up to that particular duty and i think that's a problem it's a it is a major problem and i, and I think it but it speaks to something else and i and i say but i'm going to it speaks to mm -hmm. how we hire. Are we hiring for bravery? Well, are we hiring the best and the brightest? Well, not even the best and the brightest. Uh, you can be dumb and brave. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, are you brave? Are, are we hiring brave men, men and women to protect and serve? Or are we hiring who just want to write tickets all the time? Trending insurrection.